Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm going to read you a bedtime story. First, I would like to welcome all of my new listeners. I had an influx of incredibly lovely listeners from Relatos de la Noche. I don't know if I've ever seen a lovelier group of people. You've all been so kind in commenting on my YouTube channel, joining the Facebook group, commenting on Instagram, tweeting at me, all to show your support and let me know that you found the show through RDLN. If you're a Spanish speaker, I'm sure you've heard the ad, but if not, um, if you're a Spanish speaker or you'd like to improve your Spanish, please go check out his show. Uh, it's a fantastic show, and again, it's it's in Spanish, just a heads up, just so you know. Um, but I hope he's felt all the love and kindness from my listeners as I have from his, because you've all been, seriously, I've never had a, done a promo swap where I've had these fans from this other show been so, like, I heard of, about you from here, like, in this quantity, it's and quality. <laughs> Thank you so much. I just had to shout you out at the beginning and welcome, welcome. Um, so last week, I promised that this would be two weeks of true stories. So here I am to tell you about some more haunted castles. Yes, I have. If you're new to the show, there is another haunted castles episode uh, somewhere in there. I can't remember from when, but it's been a while. Um, I was in the mood for some gory and sometimes romantic history with some incredibly scary specters sprinkled in. So grab something to drink, relax, and let me take you on a journey of these frightening fortresses. The first place we are going is Zealand, not the new one, the old one, Zealand, Denmark to Dragsholm Castle or drags home slot. I found it referred to as both. So, first, a little background on drags home. It was built around 1215 by the Bishop of Roskilde. Please forgive my Danish, it's not great. <laughs> as your normal run-of-the-mill palace, you know, just an everyday palace, until it was fortified shortly after that to withstand attacks, and they did a great job too, because it was the only castle to survive what was called the Count's Feud in the 1500s, and the attacks of Count Christopher. The Count's Feud was a war of succession. During that time in Denmark, well, as well as a lot of Europe, I think basically all of Europe, there was a big hubbub about religion. Lots of people still wanted to be Catholic and wanted the Catholic Church to continue to be in charge, including Count Christopher, who is the one who tried to destroy Dragsholm. But others supported a Protestant ruler named King Christian III. The Count's feud and all of that, its that's a whole thing, and we have ghosts to get to, but if you're interested in 16th century Danish religious wars, then I suggest looking it up. I did some extra reading, and it's pretty fascinating. So, drags home. After the Count's feud, spoilers, the Protestants won. I don't know who you had money on, but that's who won. And the Crown seized anything that was previously owned by the Catholic Church. Remember I told you that Dragsholm was built and named by a bishop? 
Well, he was a Catholic bishop, and since the Protestants won the war, they decided to take control of the castle and make it into a prison, which they named Crownland. Get it? Because it belonged to the crown? Yeah. Oh, and before I move on, the bishop is perhaps our first ghost on the tour. At least, maybe... He's one of those ghosts that no one really has seen, but they hear a man moaning in the halls of what was once prison cells, so it's believed to be the bishop mourning the loss of his beloved palace. But it was a prison, so if you ask me, if you hear a man moaning in the halls, it could be any number of probably hundreds or thousands of prisoners. Anyway, the prison, for the most part, was pretty fancy and was primarily used to hold nobles and higher religious figures who had insulted the new king. A lot of the cells even had toilets and windows. It was the writs of prisons. And I don't mean that sarcastically. I mean, this was the 1500s, 1600s. To have toilets, I mean, that's that's a pretty big deal. I mean, for some people, it was the writs of prisons. See, not everyone got a presidential suite. Some were very much still subject to what we know of as middle-aged prisons. And since they had such noble clientele, they of course had their fair share of celebrities of the time, including James Hepburn, the fourth Earl of Bothwell, third husband of Mary, Queen of Scots, Oh, I just did an English accent, and I guess I should have done a Scottish one, but I don't know how to do that, so... (laughs) He is our second ghost of the tour. See, a lot of historians think that the marriage between Mary and James was a forced show of a marriage because of the religious climate that was going on at the time. Like I said, it wasn't just in Denmark. All of Europe was pretty on its toes religiously, but... Mary wasn't his first wife. Um, He wasn't her first husband either, but we'll get to that. Um, In fact, James was pretty well known to have led a pretty scandalous life in Scotland. He was married several times, was deeply in debt, and is thought to have murdered the Queen's second husband, Lord Darnley. Well... Lord Darnley's fellow Lord Pals confronted Mary and James during what is now known as the Battle of Carberry Hill. James Hepburn promptly fled while his wife surrendered. He fled to Denmark, where, okay, since this was very long ago, there are different accounts, but this is one account that I read. The reason he was actually imprisoned is because his ex-wife said that he had unjustly divorced her and run off with her dowry. So he was imprisoned for the last 10 years of his life at Dragsholm Castle. And despite his celebrity status, our pal James was not privy to one of the nicer rooms. Instead, he was chained to a pillar in a windowless cell and left to rot. You can still visit his mummified corpse at a nearby church. I find his ghost fascinating because it's not really him. You don't see him. It's not moaning in the halls. It's not him 
sitting in a cell. No, sometimes, late at night, the sight of a phantom carriage arrives in the courtyard at Drag's home. The sound of horses' hooves echoing of the stone walls, despite the fact that horses have not been present on the property in many, many years. It looks like the arrival of someone very important, someone whose reputation precedes himself across Europe. Maybe the terror James felt, knowing he would never again see freedom whilst looking out his carriage window at the place he knew he would never leave alive, caused a shadow of the moment of his imprisonment to be left to replay itself over and over again for all of eternity. Another notable ghost from this time is that of someone whose name I'm not going to pronounce correctly. I tried, I, I, I looked it up, it's not coming out of my mouth right. I apologize to my Danish listeners. Eiler, 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 Brockenhus. I'm going to leave it at that. Who was previously squire to the king? They actually called him the Mad Squire, and you'll see why. Somehow, he upset the king. Who knows how? You know, it seemed like it was pretty easy to upset kings back then. So, he was sent to be imprisoned at Dragsholm. And he was, like, right hand. He was very close to the king, so this was very upsetting to him. But because he was so close to the king, he was given one of the nicer rooms. He had a toilet. So, being in one of the nicer rooms, he was even attended to by doctors when his health quickly began to decline. They said he went mad. And by the end of his life, he was speaking in nothing but bursts of gibberish. And some say, when you pass near where his cell was located, you will still hear him rambling incoherently, mad after all these hundreds of years. So, in the 1600s, the castle was blown up by the Swedish and rebuilt in the Baroque style. Yes, there's more to that story, but I don't have time for that, and I don't know if you want to hear it. And I don't even know if it was the 1600s, really. It was during the reign of this one king, and he was mostly king in the 1600s, and apparently there were a lot, like, he was responsible for a whole lot of wars between Sweden and Denmark. Anyway, Sweden built, blew up the castle, like, literally blew it up, and um, it was in ruins. So that brings us to the newer part of its timeline after it was rebuilt, as I said, in the Baroque style. So our next ghost is a tragic tale that actually comes with proof. And if you remember my last episode when it came to uh, the last Haunted Castles episode, this one reminded me a lot of Chillingham Castle in England because so many of those stories would go on for years being just, you know, told over and over again, and then they would be doing construction or refurbishing on some part of the castle, and they'd unearth some sort of remains that proved the story or proved that this ghost was there, like the boy in blue, if you remember. For hundreds of years, people saw a little boy dressed in blue, 
in this one room. I think it was the pink room. There were a lot of colors involved. They kept seeing this little boy dressed in blue. Well, one day when they were doing some construction on the place, they opened up a wall and there was the bones of a little boy with blue clothing on. And from then on, no one saw the boy in blue anymore. So this reminds me a lot of that. So Selena Bulbs, I think that's how you pronounce her name. (laughs) Selena Bulbs was said to be the daughter of a nobleman. Every source I checked said the Bulbs family was very powerful, but I couldn't find a time frame for this original story when it was supposed to have taken place or much about the Bulbs family, at least not in English. So I'm not sure if it was a family who it seems like it was a family who was overlooking the castle at the time. Um, Maybe if you search in Danish, you would have more luck because on my end, most of the search results were just telling me the same ghost story or they were ancestry result website results, you know? Um, So her name is also sometimes spelled with a C sometimes with an S. So if I have any listeners in Denmark, please let me know if you know anything more about this story. I'd love to know. Moving on. So the story goes that Selena fell in love with a common, a local common man. Some say a local laborer who might have been working at the castle. Her father was against the relationship, but he allowed the happy couple to marry. Great. That was until the day of their wedding, when it was discovered that Selena was already pregnant with the man's child. Her father was angry beyond reason, mostly at her for embarrassing the family name, first by marrying beneath her and now by getting pregnant out of wedlock. So, in a furious rage, he ordered his guards to chain Selena to a wall, where another wall was then built around her while she was alive. Yes, her own father cask of Amontillado her. So for hundreds of years, visitors would run into the spirit of a woman in a white dress. All who saw her said they were overwhelmed with sadness at the sight of this beautiful woman, again, always wearing a white dress. She always appeared to be searching for something. And sometimes, if you were extra unlucky, she would wail in agony. Then, In the 1930s, plumbing was being added to the castle, and when the workmen knocked down a wall to install pipes, there they found the skeleton of a woman wearing the tattered remains of a white dress. And the last ghost of Dragsholm is a happy one. The Grey Lady is thought to be the spirit of a maid who arrived at the castle to work, but had already been struck with a horrible toothache, probably an abscess, judging by how this story goes. Well, the master of the castle at the time is never named in any of my sources, but was said to be very kind and gave the young woman a poultice to heal her. It's said that she was incredibly grateful and stayed in good spirits for a few days, even looking like her health was improving at one point. But she tragically succumbed to her ailment after a few days and died. But today, if you see her, she's wearing a gray dress and a smile 
and those who encounter her say they feel an air of calm and protection when she's around. Okay, let's get back into my phantom carriage and let's take a trip over to Scotland, specifically to Edinburgh Castle. First of all, this castle has existed in one form or another for over a thousand years, which just breaks my American brain. It's also considered to be the most besieged place in Great Britain. It stands high on Castle Rock, an extinct volcano, and I won't be delving into its history as much as Drag's home, mostly because it's just so extensive. I wouldn't even know where to begin or where to end. You can write volumes on a single century of Edinburgh Castle, so I don't think I'll be able to properly cover it in one segment of one episode of one podcast. But I can tell you about the ghosts and with them, a little bit of this castle's fascinating history. To give you a better handle on just how old this place is, First, let me tell you about the drummer ghost. There is a legend that the ghost of a drummer would sometimes appear, and was always a harbinger of war. Some describe this ghost as looking like a headless drummer boy who would wander around the grounds of the castle, warning his countrymen of attack. I can't even begin to imagine how horrifying that must have looked. The last time he was seen was in 1650. Yes, the last time this ghost was seen was 371 years ago, and it's reported that much of the castle staff and guards saw him, but they were too afraid to approach this headless boy (laughs) drumming away. They had no idea that he was trying to warn them that Oliver Cromwell was on his way to eventually capture Edinburgh Castle. I do want to note that I saw some accounts that said this was the first time the drummer boy was seen, but then never again after that. Other accounts, though, said that it had been a legend for some time and that this was the last time he was seen. Visitors, however, do still claim to hear the drummer boy from time to time. And you know, maybe he's just keeping warmed up. For the next time he needs to warn Scotland that they're about to be invaded. The little drummer boy isn't the only musically talented spirit at Edinburgh. There's also the Piper Ghost. This story also reminds us of the incredible age and fortitude of this castle, because the legend goes that centuries ago, I couldn't find an exact date, some tunnels were discovered under the castle. So again, this castle was so old that even hundreds of years ago, they were discovering things that they had forgotten about hundreds of years before that. So fascinating. I I know, all of my anywhere else in the world listeners are like, yeah, yeah, we all have old stuff. Just in, in America, in California in particular, I've mentioned this before, we don't have a lot of old things. We tend to destroy them, unfortunately, especially old buildings like this. So let me have my, my mystery and my magic and my excitement. <laughs> so um, back to what we were talking about. So centuries ago, they discover these tunnels under the castle that were the reason for them and the route of them was long forgotten. 
So everyone at the castle was very curious to know where they led and what they were for exactly. And they weren't very large tunnels, so they came up with the idea of sending a boy down there with a set of bagpipes. The plan was that he would keep playing the pipes and walk the path of the tunnel and they would follow the sound to figure out the tunnel's path and eventual exit. The plan worked well, for a while, until the boy got to, I couldn't figure out if it was at the site of or around the site of a church called Tron Kirk, where the sound of his pipes stopped. Search parties were sent into the tunnels to try to find the boy, but they all failed. The boy was lost forever. It was ordered that the tunnels be sealed, as they were deemed too dangerous to leave open, which is probably a good idea, since curious children definitely would have gone looking. Since then, ghost hunters and workers alike at the castle claim that sometimes you can hear the faint sound of a single bagpipe drifting up from somewhere down below. The little piper boy, still trying to find his way out of those ancient tunnels. The next ghost I've seen dubbed with several titles, none of them flattering, such as The Unluckiest Prisoner and The Dung Prisoner. You see, like any good castle, Edinburgh has its own super spooky dungeons. It was actually a penitentiary at one time, so at one time it was all dungeons, but they have their own dungeons filled with their own bloody and gory history. Many prisoners tried to escape, of course, including one who thought of a brilliant plan. He noticed that the human and animal dung was carted out in wheelbarrows every once in a while. So, he somehow managed to hide himself in one of those wheelbarrows under pounds and pounds of waste. What he didn't realize was what happened to all that manure once it was carted out of the dungeons. Well, it was unceremoniously dumped over the sides of the cliffs. So some poor poop scraper boy got the fright of his life one day when he unloaded his wheelbarrow as usual, only to hear the sound of a screaming man and maybe even the splat he made when he hit the rocks below. The ghost makes his presence incredibly known. Some say you will suddenly be hit with the sharp smell of human waste out of nowhere. And if he's feeling especially spurned that day, the ghost will even try to push you over the edge so that you meet the same fate as he did. The last spirit we will be visiting at Edinburgh is also the most tragic figure of them all, at least in my opinion. This is that of the Grey Lady. Yes, another one. Look, in the world of ghosts, you come across a whole lot of ladies in white and gray ladies. It just comes with the territory. This woman is always seen in the highest of 16th century fashions. She wanders the oldest parts of the castle and brings with her much sadness. Sometimes she's listlessly roaming the halls. Other times she's openly weeping forever distressed by an unseen tragedy. The identity of this upsetting apparition is thought to be one of two different famous women who met their end at the castle. The first is Marie de Guise, 
Marie had a fascinating life. At one point after her first husband died, both James V, the eventual King of Scotland, and Henry VIII, the very famous King of England, fought for her hand in marriage. It wasn't all romance, though. Basically, Henry wanted to marry Marie to prevent her from marrying James. You see, she was French, and by marrying James, she would somewhat unite Scotland and France, a very dangerous combination for England. The way she rejected Henry has nothing to do with her ghost, but I'm going to tell you anyway because it was hilarious. You see, Henry had just had his wife, Anne Boleyn, famously beheaded. So he was in need of a wife, and he had his people go to Mary and express to her that he was big in person, and he had need of a big wife. To which Marie replied, I may be a big woman, but I have a very little neck. So, she married James V, and became mother to the infamous Mary Queen of Scots. Remember her? Her husband, Hans Dragsholm. She's also incredibly fascinating on her own. Honestly, 1500s Europe, uh, it's one of my favorite little interesting blips of history. There's so much blood and like a lot of incest. European royals were gross. But I digress. Back to Milady de Guise. The reason she is thought to be the Grey Lady is because her last days were spent in absolute distress at Edinburgh Castle. The English had launched yet another assault, and it's said that Marie's mind began to wander, and she wasn't making much sense when she spoke. She pretty quickly died, her cause of death being listed as dropsy, which is an old term you see pretty often around that time. Nowadays, it's called edema, and medical professionals think it was usually due to congestive heart failure. Her body was wrapped in cloth and kept in a lead coffin, and then just sat in the castle for eight months before it could be shipped to her homelands in France, where she was given a proper burial. So, is the ghost a despondent Marie de Guise wandering the castle in her last days, her sanity and hope slipping away while the English attack her adopted home? Or is it that of Janet Douglas, Lady Glamis? You see, Lady Glamis was King James V's, Millie de Guise's husband, for those of you who may have forgotten, step-aunt. Her brother, Archibald Douglas, the sixth Earl of Angus, was James V's abusive stepfather. He had the young king imprisoned at one point when he was a boy or a teenager, not sure, and James never forgot. He also extended his hatred for his stepfather to the rest of the Douglas family. Janet was imprisoned several times, once for allegedly poisoning her first husband, but there wasn't enough proof to execute her or hold her, and the final time she was imprisoned was when her angry stepnephew accused her of witchcraft. And even during a time when a whole lot of women were being tortured and executed for being witches, people still knew the charges were total bullshit. She was imprisoned with her husband in the dungeons of Edinburgh Castle. Her husband actually managed to escape, but was quickly caught and killed. Janet awaited her sentencing, which was taking 
quite a long time because even the king didn't seem powerful enough to convince the judges of her dealings in the occult. So he then had several of her acquaintances, friends, and family members tortured until they conveniently remembered that, uh, uh, she, she is a witch, actually, and if you would please just stop driving hot pokers into my feet now, that would be great. So, Lady Glamis was condemned and was burned at the stake while her son watched and wept. If I was a gambling man, I would bet on the ghost being that of Molly de Guise. It seems to fit the image of her roaming the halls, confused, distraught, still dressed in her finery as the ghost is described. Lady Glamis was kept in the filthy dungeons and didn't seem to spend much time upstairs. So what do you think, my dear listener? Who do you think roams the ancient halls of Edinburgh Castle? The next castle is definitely the strangest of any castle I've ever heard of. We are now visiting Slovenia to see Hauska Castle. Hauska was built on orders by Atukar II, the ruler of Bohemia at the time. When the castle was finished, there were quite a few usual castle things missing. There was no well dug, the only water source being a temporary cistern, no kitchens installed, there were no trade routes nearby, and it didn't seem like it was built to be any sort of permanent residence. It also wasn't fortified from the outside. You see, as legend goes, Hauska Castle was meant to keep things in, not out. It was built around a large hole in the ground, a hole that was thought to be an entrance to hell. Long before Hauska was built, there is evidence that Celtic druids had occupied the land in and before the 9th century. In 1541, famous chronicler, please, for the love of God, forgive me for this pronunciation, Wenceslas Hajek detailed that around that time, a crack in the limestone was discovered, and at night, hell beasts with black wings would fly around its entrance, while half-human, half-animal creatures and headless horses and old women would claw their way out of the crack, wreaking havoc on the local village, killing livestock and even dragging people down to its depths. During a time when the Duba clan was in charge of the area, the duke of the clan went to a prisoner who was condemned to death. The duke told the prisoner that if he agreed to be lowered down into the hole by a rope and report back all that he saw down there, then he would be freed of all his charges. You see, the people were very curious to see what exactly was going on in this mysterious pit. So, the prisoner agreed, and down into the hole he went. As the duke's men lowered the rope lower and lower, there was quiet, until, after some time, the man began screaming. The men quickly pulled him back through the opening, only to discover that 
The prisoner's hair had turned snow white, and he looked as if he had aged many years. The man died soon after, and had gone too insane to ever explain what he saw. I read some accounts that said that this deal was offered and accepted by several prisoners, but they all had the same result. So, back to when the castle was built a few hundred years later. Nowadays, it looks much more accessible than it once did. In fact, when I first saw modern pictures of it, the reason I skipped it on the first Haunted Castle episode was I didn't do much research and... To be honest, it didn't look that uh, as scary as the legends told, but I was wrong, because originally, there were no stairs leading from the upper floors down to the courtyard, or pit of the hell yard, whichever you choose. Also, it was much more apparent that all the fortifications were built on the inside only. It also had a moat and a tower as well. Around the 1600s, however, Emperor Ferdinand III ordered that private castles be less defensible. The Thirty Years' War had just ended, and I guess he didn't want his enemies to be able to hole up in one of the many private chateaus that littered the country if another war was to pop up soon. So, in its heyday, Say you're a bullfrog-slash-human creature who has just clawed their way out of the pit of hell. You look around and see you've emerged into a fortress. No big deal. You're already inside. You'll just use the stairs, psych, no stairs, for you to gain entrance to the interior of these fortress walls. Oh, And there's a tower, probably with a guard watching you. And even if you do manage to somehow get to the outside, there's a huge moat to stop you or slow you down while the humans, I don't know, shoot you with arrows that have been blessed by a holy man or something. That was all something I made up, by the way. This is nothing from the actual legend, just something I like to picture. (laughs) Anyway, you get the picture no one was getting out of this thing. Since then, it's been renovated to be much more welcoming, which is why I was thrown off. The tower was dismantled, the moat was filled in, and there were stairs added, and a lot of safety railings around the hole. (laughs) After the Thirty Years' War, a Swedish commander named Oronto, who made my uh, Google Drive document very angry because it corrected this name to Toronto every single time I typed it, no matter how many times I corrected it. Sometimes it wouldn't even let me change it back. It was just like, you were clearly wrong. It is Toronto. No, Google. It is Oronto. And he is said to have taken over Hauska for a time. Oronto was a black magician and tried to use the famed portal to perform dark rituals. The locals were not happy about it. Probably mostly because he would take their livestock for animal sacrifices. He was also said to be incredibly cruel to the locals, and they were over it. So, one night, two local accomplished hunters from the village moseyed on down to Hauska. Aranto was doing his little alchemy experiments, 
conveniently, right in front of a window. So, it wasn't terribly difficult for them to aim and fire a shot through the window, directly into his head. The ghost of this angry military magician is said to still stalk the halls of Hauska, still very upset about his death, and I can see why, because allegedly the alchemy experiments he was doing had a lot to do with how to become immortal, and that didn't quite happen. Okay, now we need to take a little trip forward in time to the 1930s. I'm sure some of you history buffs know exactly where this is going. During that time, Hauska Castle was occupied by the Nazis, which was odd because strategically there was no reason for them to be there um, when it came to the overall, you know, where the Nazis <laughs> fanned out in Europe over the duration of the war. But I'm sure most of you know this already. But the Nazis dabbled quite a bit in the occult. Heinrich Himmler, a leading member and chief officer of the Nazi party, had a huge collection. I'm talking over 13,000 books and manuscripts on the occult. I might do a whole episode on Nazis and their paranormal shenanigans they got into, because it sounds apocryphal, but there is a whole lot of evidence of their experiments with Dungeons and Dragons level spellcasting. Anyway, Hauska is thought to be one of the main places for these experiments, probably because of the whole hell pit thing, you know? Locals at the time said that they saw strange lights at night and would hear screaming and moaning coming from the castle, along with other strange sounds. There was also allegedly some eugenics-type breeding experiments going on there. I won't go into that. Maybe we will, for if you decide you all want a supernatural Nazi episode. Let me know. That brings us to today, where the current owners have not allowed any excavations into the pit, despite there being so many modern technologies to allow for fascinating explorations. I mean, imagine what we could see. We could finally figure out what's in the pit. The owners are afraid that the Nazis might have left explosives down there. So, whether as storage or as a booby trap, I'm not sure. But for now, at least up until the 1940s, I believe that's where the major super evil experimentation ended. Um, oh, and I forgot to mention... There is a chapel inside the castle now, which was not original, but it, I've heard it's got beautiful stained glass with visions of revelations, or for those who don't know, that is the Christian ideal of the apocalypse. I think that's where the word apocalypse came from. I might be mistaken. Don't take that as fact. Um, but it's dedicated, the chapel, to Michael the Archangel, or for those who aren't aware, the angel in the book of Revelations in the Bible, who, according to prophecy, is going to battle Satan during the end of the world. And here is the actual passage from the Bible. I just thought you might find that interesting. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. 
Very appropriate, considering the Hellmouth, I think. Nowadays, people still claim to see strange lights at Hauska, though they usually attribute them now to UFOs instead of flying hell beasts. Oh, and if you look into Hauska, which I'm sure so many of you probably will to look at pictures of it and things, and find references to a letter from a famous poet writing to his friend about how he traveled through time from the 1800s to 2006, either in real life or in a dream, I'm sorry to tell you, but it's fake. Um, I was very, very excited about this letter when I found it. It's right up my alley, time slips, time traveling, all that good stuff. But I found several references in English to this letter, and I almost read it on the show. I had it in the script and everything, but something ate it. It was too perfect. It was too perfect. Basically, it describes the year 2006 through the lens of someone from the 1800s, and it was like the sandstones with dens carved out with supernatural light, and those perfectly lined up with some of the prefab houses in Prague now, and it talked about these large metal skeletons, which sound a lot like pylons, um, you know, uh, electric pylons, and it talked about this woman who had this tape on her head and had uh, she looked like an angel because she had a hood on, like a dark angel with her dark hood on, and she took the tape off of her head once he approached her and asked her what year it was, and of course it's a woman with a hood on, and she's wearing a Walkman or headphones, and that was the tape on her head, and it, <laughs> it was too perfect, so I just double triple checked and um i decided to google translate some actual czech and slovenian websites where it was pretty easy to find that it was a fabrication made up for a book written in 1996. it was a sort of historical fiction piece the poet is a real person um but this author i mean it happens all the time historical fiction is a huge genre so i'm sure you've all heard of it and that was basically what this was so i'm so sorry to tell you that i was heartbroken too all right i think that's it for this episode um this episode took me quite a while to get through last week as many of you saw on social media i was very ill for a few days after the covid booster and then i started a discourse i did not mean to start i am not trying to push anything or anything like that. I just mentioned my COVID booster made me very, very ill. And some people on Instagram and Twitter got really mad at me for saying that. And I'm, I I don't apologize because I didn't do anything wrong, but I was not expecting it and I didn't feel good and it wasn't great to, <laughs> to deal with that. And then um, on the day I got the booster, I had a death in the family, a death that was expected, um, but no less sad. So between being sick and grieving, I physically and mentally, I just couldn't finish writing it. I really tried. I I know just a few months ago, I powered through my fever and rallied, but this time I just, I really couldn't. And I really apologize to those of you who were upset about there not being an episode last week. Um, some of you reached out and I'm really sorry to dis- that I disappointed you. Um, so yeah, but I, I do want to thank Acast, my host site. Uh, They invited me to the pod movement party at Tom's Watch Bar on Wednesday night. Uh, I'm sure, I don't know, many of you might have gone to pod movement. And if you did, if you went to Tom's Watch Bar uh, for the little networking party, I was there. Um, They invited me at the, not the last minute, but a few days before. And 
when I got there, I had no idea. Um, the Scary to Sleep logo was playing on more screens than I could count, like in downtown LA. This is a place I've, I mean, when I used to do background acting, which was awful, I just had like one of my worst days there. I won't talk about the show or the celebrities involved because I just don't want to start that, but it was just a really bad day. And then to be there again years later, I mean, I've been there since, but still like to be there years later at a place where I had just really bad memories to see my show's logo. Uh, I mean, like, I was floored seeing this little show, my little show, being highlighted in such a big way. I mean, it's all thanks to you, all of you who are listening right now, even if you're new, it's because of you. Like, and I I can't thank you enough. It was such a big moment. I was stunned. I was honestly stunned. I wanted, I'm a very um, quiet person in person, I'm very shy. So um, I really wanted to, internally, I was screaming and jumping up and down. But in person, I was just like sitting there in my pink dress, just like sipping on my ginger ale and being very excited at this bar full of many, many people. Um, I didn't talk to many people. It was, I again, I'm very shy in person. Um, so if you were there, um, then I don't know. I wish you would have come up and talked to me. But if you weren't, you know, if you weren't, what, what am I even saying now? If you weren't, you were just weren't there. But anyway, so that's just if in the future, if you ever see me in person and feel free to come up and speak to me, I am just very shy and I don't go up to people, but I'm happy when people come up to me because I love people and I love talking. I just don't ever know how to start a conversation. I wasn't built with that. Uh, I wasn't born with that built into me, that ability to start conversations. Okay. All right. Um, If you want to be a little closer to the scare you to sleep family or cult or (laughs) I haven't thought of a name. If you have a name for all of you, I I don't like naming my listeners. Um, In fact, people call you like, we'll talk about my fans. I don't even like saying the word fans. It feels, it feels weird. You're my listeners. We're all you know, we're all in this together. So, um, but anyway, if you want to be part of that, you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at scary to sleep. Um, for Facebook, it it is a group. So just, uh, feel free to say podcast podcast, or you can say, hi, I'm the one who approves everything. I think I'm the only one still modding the group. So (laughs) feel free to drop me a little note and I'll see it. Um, so yeah, if you go to Facebook, just search scary to sleep, but yeah, Twitter and Instagram, just all one word, scary to sleep. Pretty easy. If you want me to produce a story for the show for you, I'm so excited to get back to fiction. To be honest, I'm so excited to get back to sound effects and music and all that stuff. Um, after these rough two weeks, um, I'm so if you have a a short story that you would like me to turn into a scary to sleep, uh, thing, I, I feel like it's like mixed media art. Um, that's what I see it as. It's like a collaboration between the two of us. You uh, send me a story and I turn it into an audio uh, experience. So yeah, if you'd like me to do that, or if you want to be at least uh, considered for the show, um, send it to scary to sleep at gmail.com. I do want to make a note. Um, if you DM me stories, I'm not going to see them. Or if I do see them, I'm going to forget about them. Or I'll probably just immediately, if I do see them, I will tell you, please just email this. So don't DM me any stories. They just get lost and my DMs have become a mess. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, on all, and I mean on all the, all of the 
the things, all, all of the apps, over all the apps. So yeah, just email them to me. Or if you have me, if you have a like a pertinent question or something, also email it to me. I don't won't necessarily get back to you right away, but it's more likely I'll get back to you over email than over a DM. Um, so yeah. Okay. And quickly before I say goodbye, um, here are the Patreon shoutouts. Thank you so much to those of you who have joined from the bottom of my heart. Seriously, like you're making my dreams come true. And there's a lot of stuff on the way. Like I said, um, I have so much planned that I had scheduled to finish these last two weeks. And um, uh, those bad things happened and I didn't get to them. And I am really, really sorry. But I can thank you at least right now. So thank you so much to Isabel Watson, Deborah Ambridge Fisher, um, Mighty Firstborn, Tay Mighty Firstborn, uh, Lindsay Sullivan, Christy Golden, Thomas Lung, Lung, Lang, I'm sorry, Murdoch Ralston. Oh, Murdoch. Oh my God. I've seen you. I've seen you a bunch on, um, Facebook. Yes. Jody and Anthony. I like these uh, couple accounts. My husband and I need to do that. We have two separate Patreons and like we always, it's so dumb. I don't know why we don't do this like combined thing, but I guess we could, I don't know. Um, Tracy Kuhn. Thank you, Tracy. Um, Reese Visentin. Visentin. Yes. (laughs) Chris. I always say yes as if I've decided that's how your name is pronounced now. I don't mean it that way. I'm sorry if it comes off that way. Um, Christopher G., Candice Whiteman, and Danielle Smith. Thank you so much. And all of you who are with Patreon, again, feel free to roast the way I just said your name under this episode, which, if you don't know, if you go to Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, you can get all of these episodes ad free and um it's the best option if you like to sleep with the show um you know it's only a dollar and helps me out and you get ad free um also i'm not sure if uh some of my patreon users know you the patreon app is really helpful but also you get an rss feed when you first join and you can plug that into something like um uh, podcast addict and you should be able to just like pull up all of the the audio episodes into one your own little your own little your little guy um playlist the word is playlist it's playlist <laughs> thank you so much um again i am very touched by what happened on wednesday and like again this is all that's all because of you like i i directly thank you for it and acast acast is all <laughs> they're, they're amazing um thank you so much um i will see you next week and I promise I really will have bonuses. Um, the beginning of this episode, by the way, was recorded um, last week before I got really sick and before I found out my family member uh, passed away. So um, that's maybe why the tone is a little shifted in the middle, if it is. I'm not sure. Maybe it's not. Maybe I just gave it away and you had no idea. And uh, so, yeah. All right. I'm going to go. I love you so much. Um, Thank you again for everything. Um, All right. Go get some sleep. Oh, drink your water and sweet dreams.